Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. It's really good to be with you this morning. Why don't we stand to our feet? We're going to read scripture, Galatians chapter 6. Some of you thought we would never get here. We are here. Galatians chapter 6, Kanako, it is here. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 to 10 is from the NIV translation this morning. It'll be on the screen. I'm going to read it. The reason why we stand, if you are new, we stand to posture our hearts and say, actually, Gabe's not here to impress us or trying to entertain us. We together as a community are leaning into the public reading of the scripture and to the word of God because that alone can change our hearts. So open your hearts as we read this morning. It says this, brothers and sisters, that's you and I, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you'll fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the Word should share all good things with the instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for this privilege that we get to gather around your word. We don't gather around the name of a church. We don't gather around the name of a preacher. We don't gather around even good coffee. We thank you, Father God, that your word has the highest authority here today. And I thank you, Father God, whether we are far from you, whether we have been got hard hearts, whether we are, are bitter with life, whether we are doing well in life, Jesus, at every stage your word has instruction for us. And we thank you, Father God, would you speak, because we are listening. I thank you for this. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may take your seats. A few years ago, I went uh, on a, a mission trip. I got in a car, and we went, drove for four days up to the Democratic Republic of Congo. And we spent a couple of weeks there. Uh, and and I, there, was, there was a site that has been Im, Im brandished upon my heart. I just will, always will remember this moment. When we saw in the center of the town square a statue of the great liberator of the nation, Joseph Kabila, a nation that had been under the colonial rule for many years. Kabila had come and he had set the people free into independence. And the statue, and you probably would have seen something very similar in nearly every African state that has been freed from colonialism over the years. They've got a statue of their liberator standing, and, and this Joseph Kabila statue is him holding a chain in one hand and a chain, broken chains in one hand, in both hands, proclaiming freedom for the nation. Amazing, stirring sight. But this is the understanding. When I've started to look into this and started to understand, I've realized that across Africa, a generalization, but, but it's actually quite true, that they've had liberators who set them free, but liberators make terrible builders of nations. What I'm trying to say is liberators tell them you're free, but they don't know how to lead people into living that freedom. They are not to declare it, but they can't live into it. And as I saw this image, I realized, thank you for that. <laughs> Sheesh. Good socks, Ollie. <laughs> but this is the understanding. This is often the problem, not, not, not just to be a knock on, 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 on African 
uh, politics. This is what actually happens. It's in the church. And it's in my life too that I've read the good news and we're declaring the good news again, again and again that we are free. But if I look at my own life too often, and, and I, I'm a, a, be true to answer the question for you as well, is that we know we are free in Jesus. But if we look at our lives, we're saying, but I don't actually know how to live in that freedom. Too many people are standing with the jail door open saying, I've been set free. But they don't know how to drop their chains and walk into that freedom. I want to tell you this morning that this is what the book of Galatians is about. The book of Galatians was written to the church in Galatia and also to us here today, not only just declaring and announcing freedom for the captives, but as a practical guide of how to walk into that freedom and live a life of freedom. Galatians 5 verse 1 says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Let me tell you this morning that it's not get set free into a religious system. It's not you've come to Christ, now here is the list of do's and don'ts and how to toe the line and get more religious. It's not that at all. It's also not get set free to do whatever you want. Free to do whatever you want. Because I tell you, both of those elements, the cage of legalism and the swamp of licentiousness are both pseudo-freedoms. And any free, promised freedom that has a hangover attached to it, what do I mean by that? Legalism has a hangover of anxiety and guilt and fear, have I done enough? Legalism will always leave you just short. We'll have that freedom, but you won't. We'll just have to do a little bit more. But also freedom, the anarchy side of the swamp of licentiousness, says the freedom to do whatever you want always will have a hangover of guilt and shame. Any, hang, any freedom that promises some, some sort of freedom but has a, a hangover attached to it is no freedom at all. I want to tell you this morning that we get to proclaim the great, trans, the great news of Jesus Christ that whom the Son says free is free indeed. I want to help us this morning. We've been going through, we've gone Galatians chapter 1 to chapter 5, and today is a transition into chapter 6, where for the next couple of weeks, we're going to just open this up, and chapter 6 is where Paul gets really practical. He's been theological, he's been expounding on the different freedom, what freedom looks like, and he's been calling the people out of the cage of legalism. He's been calling people out of the swamp, saying it's for freedom that Christ has set you free, and then Galatians 6 is how he says, now this is what it looks like in a community. This is what freedom looks like for you and I when we live free. Let me tell you this for you and I today, is that freedom, if we are truly free, it will benefit the person sitting next to you. If you are truly free, your wife will feel it. She'll benefit from it. If you are legalistic in your freedom, your wife will live in fear and, and, and anxiety and doubt. If you, are, if you are licentious in your freedom, your kids will manifest your, free, your expression of freedom. I'm not mentioning any names here. I'm just saying freedom outworks itself into community. That's the point I'm getting at. Chapter 6, we've got three points this morning. I'm going to be brief because we want to baptize some people. Cheers. Three points out of this text from Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 to 10. If you have pens, I'd love you to take notes because this is really meaty, gritty stuff for us to wrestle with in community. The first point this morning, for us to live as free people in community, we have to serve and not sabotage. Serve, don't sabotage. Let me explain what this says here, means. Verse 1 of Galatians chapter 6 says this. It goes like it says, If someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Now, let me tell you that word caught in a sin is not like catching somebody as if you were a sin detective. Aha, I got you. That's what the Pharisees did in, in, in John chapter 8. They caught the woman in the, the act of adultery, peeping toms. We caught her. Ah, we got her. 
That's not what the scripture means. The commentators say that word caught does not mean catching them and busting them like a sin detective. It's rather understanding that when someone is caught as if they're caught in a trap. If somebody is caught in sin that they cannot get out of. That was my action of being caught in a sin. Some of you thought I was dancing or manifesting. This morning, very practical. If that's all right, I just want to be very practical with us as a congregation, as a people. But the commentator says this, understand if someone is caught in a sin, then you must be gentle with them. It's saying it's actually a call to save them from drowning in their sin. So there's two implications for you and I this morning. And, I, and, and this for us is very simple. It's very practical. The first point in understanding to serve and not sabotage is that us as, when we are free, as people who live by the Spirit who are free, we have to call people out on it. Let me say it. We call them out on it. Let me explain this. We get to serve people's futures and not sabotage them. But because sometimes, I believe sometimes when we see somebody caught in a sin, caught in a perpetual thing that keeps them bound, keeps them in bondage, the temptation is we think that we should just keep quiet and ignore it. By ignoring and keeping quiet and walking around it and sidestepping the issue, you are not serving them, you are sabotaging their future. You're leaving them in a trap. You're leaving them and just walking around them. Let me tell you in this sort of understanding is that a few years ago, uh, growing up, I was, I know some of you will find this hard to believe. I know, so buckle yourselves in. This is going to be a shock. I was the typical redhead angry guy. I know. I know. Some of you are like, can't be, can't be. Two different, different guy. But I was. I used to get fired up about anything. What, any sport, I'll get fired up. And, and that would, would, any conversation that didn't agree with me, I'll get fired up. I was the strong foot and, I, and I'm working on it. I know I'm still on a journey. But I think I've come a long way. And the reason why, because for a long time, I didn't even think anything was wrong with it. I just thought it was just, you know, this is my character. See, I'm not angry. I'm just passionate, was my excuse. Until it started leaking out, not just about Liverpool losing again. <laughs> it would be because of some, something, somebody would say something I disagree with, and I'd come across very ang- angry and very arrogant. And I'm so grateful for the fact that I had a, a, had a man in my life who came and spoke to me. People who did not just sidestep this and just walk around it, but people who came and said, actually, Gabe, that anger. And I'm like, no, it's not anger. It's just passion. They're like, no, 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 but it's not just passion. It's anger. Call it what it is. And you can't get out of it. I'm like, no, it's just my character. I'm just a feisty redhead, eh? No, we love to. You have excuses. And say, no, no, no. It's actually not going to be helpful for your future. Because then they called me and they called me on and said, Gabe, that's not who you are. You're not an angry man. And it, and it sat on me, and I, and I thought, I was, I was flabbergasted. Somebody called me an angry man, an angry boy at that stage, let's be honest. I wasn't a father yet. But, uh, but I had to wrestle with it. It didn't sit well with me, and I, and I didn't like it, and it wasn't good for me at the time. I was like, nah, who, how dare they say that about me? I tell you, I'm so, so grateful today that somebody had the guts to say, actually, Gabe, you're behaving quite angrily. Because I, want, I, say, I pray that I would be known not as an angry man, but as a kind man. I pray that my freedom, that I'm free, that because I'm free, I was going, hey, how dare you? I'm free in Christ. How dare you come and point out where I'm falling short? But that man used his freedom to call me into freedom. And I tell you, this is how community works. I want to tell you, the sin you are in is killing you. It's like a weight drowning you. And when you call out help, just can you imagine sin on you and you're drowning in your sin and you can't get out. When you say help, Love isn't somebody just waving and smiling as you go down. Love you, brother, as you go under the waves. 
That's what we've sold into, bought into this lie, that that is love, that that is tolerance, that, I, that I'll just agree with whatever type of thing you into, I'll agree with it. It's okay. That's not love. Somebody loved me enough to say, Gabe, you're an angry man, and he put his friendship on the line that I might not respond well, but he said, actually, I'm not going to sabotage your future. I'm going to serve your future, even if it means you're going to trample me. That's what community does when they serve people's future. Now, this is the understanding for me and you, you and I in understanding this, is that the implication of calling people out on, the, on, on, on their sin is we have to take hold of our tongues. What I mean by this is that if you can't speak to them, you're not allowed to speak about them. Because here's the problem. A lot of us in church, and I know I've done this. I'm guilty. I'm afraid to address the sin in you. So what I'll do is I'll address the sin in you to somebody else. And I'll call it, hey, just accountability. Have you seen? Yeah, the guy gets angry all the time, eh? Terrible. We must pray for him. If you can't address the sin in that person, you cannot talk about it to anyone else. That's what freedom looks like. I'm free to address you, but I'm not free to talk about you. This is the understanding of what freedom looks like in community. And I'll be honest, I haven't been good at this. Why? Because Fiona, uh, who said amen? <laughs> Guys, eh, this is a safe place, eh? I was walking, the person who knows you the best, who sees you the most, my wife, I'm walking with her, and, and, I, and I said to her, hey, Fee, and I was feeling quite good, you know, I've been loving Jesus, and I feel like, I just know when you're really looking for some affirmation. So I asked my wife, you know, just like speak into my life, Fee. Tell me where I'm like falling short. Expect me to say, Gabe, you are perfect. You are the man that God has chosen for me. I just love, you know, she'll say to me, Gabe, you can take three days off a of gym during the fast. I'm going to do that, Ed. I'll take three days off. Thank you for the permission. She's like, you're just looking good. I was expecting these sort of things. You're kind. But without skipping a beat, Fiona, as she does, we were just walking. I said, Fee, just speak into my life, love. Come on. Speak it, man. Just encourage me. She said, Gabe, you're a, you're a people pleaser. And she just kept walking. Do, 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 do. <laughs> and I just stopped like, what? No dinner for you tonight, Fee. No. <laughs> Let's be honest, she cooked the dinner for me. But anyway. But I probably, in that moment, that's that word from, from the, the wounds of a friend, a, a lady who loves me, spoken to my heart there, right there saying, you're a people pleaser. Why? Because that's actually who I've become. Because I, was, I wanted to be liked. I wanted to encourage. And, and it's so easy. But I fell for the trap that actually to be encouraged meant that I never had to speak truth. To be encouraged, you always need to feel good about yourself. When actually the Bible says, no, that's just called, that's called bondage. Because I'm not saying I'm sabotaging your future because I want to make sure that I'm okay today. I don't want you to like, dislike me today. So actually, I'm not going to say anything about you. I'm going to stay quiet. But actually, serving people, if their future, not sabotaging, means I'll speak up at my own expense. That is what we, Paul is calling us to in the scripture. But the amazing thing is this. There's a transition in this. The second part says there's two implications, serving and not sabotaging. He says, call them out on it. But then he says this in this next part of the verse. He says, bear or carry one another's burdens. The message version says, stoop down and reach out to those who are oppressed. Here's the thought. Number one, call them out on it. But number two, pull them out of it. Here's my understanding for you and I. Is you cannot call them out on it if you're not willing to help pull them out of it. There's too many self-appointed caller-outers and not enough people says, I'm actually going to get in your mess and help you out of it. We're not the moral police. You're out of line. No, you're out of line. You're out of line. Good luck. No, no, no. The gospel calls us, actually, we speak truth and love, but actually, we, when people are caught in their trap and they're caught in their mess, we actually enter their mess with them. 
Speak truth and say, I'm going to help you get out of it. I'm going to bear your burden. Your burden, burden is now my burden to bear. I'm not just going to put more weight on you and then walk away from it. Here's the understanding for you and I is that we enter the mess. We don't walk around it. We don't comment on what they could have done better because that's just what the Pharisees did. In the story of the Good Samaritan, they saw the mess and they walked around it. Not going to get involved. They probably got to their prayer meetings. Guys, I saw a guy in a bloody mess on the side of the road. We need to pray for him. That's not freedom. That's not Christianity. That's called hypocrisy. This is what we called to do. And again and again, Jesus spoke about these sort of the guys. He said, the Pharisees put greater loads on people, but do nothing to help them. If we're going to call people out on, what we, what, on the sin that's in, entangled their lives, that's called holding them backwards, we're we, back, we going to help them carry that burden. Let me tell you a little helpful story to illustrate this. When I confessed my addiction to pornography many years ago, years ago I, I, I confessed my pornography addiction in a church meeting just like this. Shock, horror, I know. Can you believe it? It was like, I'm addicted to pornography, and I thought I'm never going to get a girlfriend in this church. That was the thought that went in my head, I'll be honest. And as I left that meeting, I remember just feeling like, okay, I felt free, but I felt very vulnerable. I felt, yes, thank you, Jesus. But I was like, oh, wow, everyone knows me now. Everyone knows what happens behind closed doors. I thank God again for a different friend, a mate who would, without fail, from that moment, a victorious moment, I confessed, and everyone in the church went, yeah, that's amazing. And then most girls would look me in the eye, you know. It's awesome, but well done. I'm like... Hey, come on. But there was a mate who would come to me without fail and would ask me, hey, how are you doing with walking that freedom out? You're free. You dropped the chains. How are you doing walking that out? And then here's the thing. He didn't just ask me, how are you doing in it? He came and do you know what he asked me, followed up every time without fail. He said, I, I want to just remind you that you're not, you're, that's not no longer who you are. And he encouraged me with Scripture who I was in Christ. He would SMS me, this is who you are. And he would remind me again and again. So he would come. This man didn't just there stand and applause from the side or, or come and say, oh, how's that guy? Struggle with porn. <sighs> Must pray for him. No, he came and he entered into my story, called me out and held me accountable to it, but carried the burden with me. That's serving my future, not sabotaging it. Can we be a people who do this? I want to land on this point to understand this, that for you and I, that no person has ever become bigger by making someone else feel smaller. I think there is a culture in the South African church. We, we call it, in Australia, they call it the top, tall poppy syndrome. Whenever somebody raises their head, we've got to cut them down to size. But I want to tell you, it, small, it, it's this understanding for you and I, that small people make people feel small. But in the church, it takes a giant of a man to make people remember who they are. It takes a giant of a man to call out the giants that are in people. Can, I be, can we be a people who see people's futures and actually say we're going to serve those futures? We're not going to derail them. We're not going to hold them back from them. We're actually going to call them out on their sin because I love them. But more than that, I'm actually going to enter into their mess and carry their burdens with them. Can we be that sort of people? I'll ask you, can we be those people? Second point this morning. Serve, don't sabotage. For this freedom is, secondly, as we sow, we don't steal. Sow, don't steal. Let me explain sowing. Sowing is a biblical and agricultural term. It's a principle where you lay down seed for a future reward. Farmers will know this. The day comes for planting, they sow down, they put seed in the ground, and guess what? The seed doesn't grow the next day. They come back the next day. It's still not there. They come back the next day, it's still not there. They sow seed knowing that in the future they will reap a reward from what they sowed. Let me tell you, stealing on the other hand is taking today what is meant for the future. 
Sowing is pulling in the ground going, actually, I know that will reap me a reward in the future. Stealing is saying, actually, I want today what is meant for tomorrow. Let me ask you this and encourage you. Can we learn to sow into our futures and not steal from it? Because this is what the Scripture says. When you say no to the flesh, you're saying yes to your future. Because the flesh always demands now. The flesh always demands, satisfy me now. I've got a craving. I'm, I'm hungry. I'm horny. I want it now. And everything inside our head says, actually, now, 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 I've got to act on this. This is who I am. But when we say no to the flesh, we're saying yes to a future reward. Am I not allowed to say the word horny in church? I apologize. Apologize. Sorry. I'm sorry. I forgot where I was. Hungry and horny. It's really good to be in church this morning. It's good. But I want to say, there's an understanding. Yes, I, I learned as when I got married that I actually, Fiona told me that actually McDonald's wasn't good for me. And she explained and I uh, understood it's not good for me. It's a genius. And on Sunday nights, what would happen at the end of a long day at church, you're going on your way home, and Fee had gone at home ahead of me, and she said, actually, I, I made food for you, I put it in the oven, it's an incredible, healthy meal. And on my way home, I had to go drive past the McDonald's. And I'm like, you know what? I could, I'm hungry now. Home is a good six minutes away. <laughs> hungry and horny. No, anyway, sorry. <laughs> home is a good six minutes away. Ah, sorry, I apologize. They let anyone preach here. <laughs> but I was like, home is a good six minutes away. Let me just pull it. How quick and easy. Just do the drive-thru, get a Big Mac, medium Mac meal, Mac, 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 and get it, have it, and it's going to be so good, and, and I'll feel great. The problem was, we all know the truth. Once you've had that Big Mac, medium Mac meal with an extra side of sh bigger upsized chips and a Coke, you don't feel great. You re immediately regret that decision. Milk was a bad choice. It was just like, ah, oh, why did I do this? And especially when I've got something great waiting for me at home. A stupid, silly story, but the principle remains that sometimes for us to understand the great reward, we have to learn to say no to the now. We have to sow for a future reward and not steal and pull into today because it never leads to freedom. Let me say it this way. It's a no that's not motivated by fear. It's a no that's motivated by joyful expectation. I said no to the McDonald's meal, not because I was scared fear was going to hit me when I didn't eat the food when I got home. Might have happened, but no. No, no. I said no, not out of fear, but because I was there was something greater waiting for me. A joyful expectation. That is the gospel. We get, because we live by the Spirit, we say, we're empowered to say no to lesser things, to pseudo-freedoms that will sabotage our future, that will steal from our future. We get to say no and sow into a greater future. But this is for me just a quick understanding that I've seen it way too often with friends of mine dating and then they sleep together because we're going to get married anyway. Let me tell you, unfortunately, the sad reality is this is not legalistic, this is helpful because too often couples are selling themselves short to the lie because they don't want to sow for a greater reward. Then they get to marriage and they say, sex and marriage isn't that great. Why? Because they stole from a future that they're supposed to sow into. This is freedom. This is freedom for you and I this morning. I want to ask you, what are you sowing? What are you sowing? I said it a couple of weeks ago at Milton, but to, to resist the drift, to say no, to empower your no, you have to embrace the chase. 
that actually there's not much, if you're just always saying no, 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 it'll get tiring. Actually, the no's become easier when you're starting to say yes to a greater pleasure. This is what true sowing looks like, is that the Bible says don't sow in the flesh. It says sow in the spirit. It doesn't just leave us in the negative, don't do this. It says this is what you should do, sow in the spirit. So into the, the new nature that's been given. And, and I understand, for me, I'm a simple guy. I need illustrations to help me. But I've understood this best, that I come to Fiona every day, and I don't say to Fiona at the end of the day, Fee, you know that I love you. And she goes, yeah. I say, let me tell you why. Because I said no to every other woman today. I was going to say the joke again. I won't. I'll go to bed hungry. Let's just leave it at that. Sorry, this is fun. This is fun. I'm, this is when Fiona's not here to hear me preach. It's a problem. But let me understand that actually, if I just said, Fee, I love you because I've said no to everyone else, what type of love was that? It, eventually, oh, it, would, it would be this legalistic striving thing. But actually, for me to feel my no, it's easy for me to say no when I'm pursuing her. When I'm saying yes to her. When I'm desiring her. When I'm pushing into her. When I say, you're the one I love. When I'm sowing into that relationship, the no's are so easy. That was a better point. I thought you guys would have said yes more than just two people. But anyway, when you say yes, it makes saying no easy. Let me land this point saying this. Two things that I really believe, practical things for you and I, that I've had to embrace because I'm ADD by nature. I've had to learn that I've often wanted automatic deposit, uh, withdrawals in my life. I want God to speak now. I need recovery now. Two things that God gives us as gifts is the Word of God and prayer. Why? Both of them demand sowing for reward. Can I tell you? These days, I used to, if someone pick up the Word of God, I don't know about you, pick, read up the Bible, and I'm going, I read, I go, it's got nothing to say to me today. Nothing. i got nothing out of the Word of God today. Why? Because I've, I've approached the Word of God as an ATM that needs to give me a withdrawal, when actually it's more a bank where I get to put deposits for a future reward. Prayer is the most amazing gift because when I pray, I finish after 20 minutes of prayer, I feel, yes, that was amazing, and I go, what's changed? In my natural life, nothing. The people I prayed for, I probably got, you know, I could have probably phoned them or gone and visited those people or encouraged them, probably would have been more beneficial. But actually, prayer is a gift from God that we get to sow into our future. It's us putting seed in the ground saying, God, I'm trusting you and not stealing from this benefit now. So I encourage you, what are you sowing? Sow, don't steal. Two practical things. Get in the Word. Get in prayer. Watch what God can do with those gifts. Finally, this morning, as a community, the third and final point is surrender, don't stop. Surrender, don't stop. And they sound like they are the same thing, but they're not. The Scripture says this, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Don't grow weary in doing good, because at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you don't quit. If you don't give up, here's my, I'll illustrate this with two stories. There's a lady in our church who has told me this journey. She said that she had a son, and he, was, he loved Jesus growing up, but then he's walked away from the Lord. And he gets to the, the point, she said she was quite devastated because he was just doing things that weren't in line with, with how they raised him, f fell away into some crazy things. And she said, Gabe, I, 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 I'm getting so hurt because I, I try and meet up with him. I try and encourage him, but, but he actually is rejecting me. The more I try harder, he rejects me. And then the encouragement to her was, I said, actually, you know what? It's time to stop. 
And she was like, what do you mean, stop? I can't have his mom. I'm saying, I'm saying whoa, whoa, listen to what I'm saying. Stop, but don't surrender. Stop trying to win the battle in your flesh, but surrender and trust God in this. And she started to say, I said, turn your frustration to prayer. Stop praying for that boy. She started to pray for him, started to pray for him. And years have gone by of her praying, 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 where I've actually forgotten to even ask her, how's that, how's that journey going? Can I tell you the amazing thing? Two weeks ago on a Sunday, she phones me in the morning and said, Gabe, he's coming to church this morning. I'm like, I'm like, who? No, no, that boy that we've been praying for. She says, he's been in, a, in a quite a state. He phoned me yesterday in tears saying, Mom, I need to come to church tomorrow. He arrived at church. We preached out of the Galatians series about actually that, that the freedom is not in your past. It's also not in your human effort, but it's in Jesus alone. He comes in tears after the service and says to me, for, for 100 days, I stopped drinking. He said, but I, I stopped. I went cold turkey on drinking, but I've, I, I actually, there was no joy in it. Then I, because I, I couldn't find, I was feeling so depressed, even though I had stopped drinking for 100 days, on Friday night, he said, I went out and I got smashed. I woke up with a hangover and felt terrible as well. He said, there was no joy in my 100 days. There was no joy in my drinking. And he said, I didn't know what to do, so I phoned my mom. The only person I knew who to phone, I phoned my mom, and she said, you've got to come to church tomorrow. He said, you've preached today, there's no, there's, no, there's no future in my human efforts, and there's no future in my past. There's only future in Jesus. I need this Jesus. That day, he gave his life to Jesus. He's getting baptized in Milneton today. Can I tell you why? Because there was a mom who surrendered and had didn't give up. Can I tell you, this is a thing. I think it's great. Let me make it very practical for you as well. In my life, in the last little while, I'm learning this principle. A dad with a little girl and a little girl who can't speak, who can only cry and cry and cry and cry. And sometimes I don't know why most of the times. Most of the times, I have no clue why, and she's got baby measles this week, and she's had high temperatures, and it's just, there's no, we, she won't sleep unless you hold her, so it's just the longest nights ever, and just waking up, going, okay, we've got to go to the doctor, went to the doctor, and the doctor said, okay, this is what it is, it's just, got, it has to ride it out, it's a virus, you can't do anything about it, just got to love her, make sure she's okay, and she'll, it'll, she'll get over it in like three, four days, I'm like, you're joking, that's it, right? you're joking. The next day, and the, 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 the spots seemed worse the next day. The night seemed longer, and I thought, we've got to go back to the doctor. But you know what? The doctor's going to say, you just got to wait this out. And I'm having to learn. I see Fiona and I talking. We say, actually, we have to, put it, to start practicing what we preach. That actually, for us, is, we're not giving up on a girl, but we're surrendering to Jesus and say, we trust you, Jesus. I trust you. Can I tell you, too often, we want to take things into our control. We want to take our health into our control, take our, our finances into our control. Now, this is not a vote against wisdom and doing all that you can, but it is about resting once you've done all you can and trusting Him. Can you and I be a people who say, Jesus, we're going to surrender and not stop. We're going to surrender. Our, that our work is to keep on surrendering to you, Jesus. This morning, I want to land with this understanding before we baptize people. You and I have got confidence that you and I can serve and not sabotage each other's futures. I've got confidence that you and I can sow and not steal from our futures. And I've got confidence that you and I can surrender and not give up and not stop in doing good. Why? Because we've got a Savior named Jesus who did all three things for us. I want to tell you, Jesus Christ came and he said, I came not to serve. I came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus came and he said, I did not count equality with God as something to be grasped. Instead, I gave up my position seeking the place of a servant. Jesus came to serve. Jesus also came to sow. He came and sowed when though he could not see a result. He said, I'm dying for the joy set before me. He said, I'll give up my life because I know there's a future greater reward. Jesus also came and he said that I'm going to surrender my life when he said this and not give up. When he said, Father, not my wills, but yours be done. Though I don't understand, I'm going to trust your will. 
Can I tell you, you and I have the confidence, you and I can uh, be free, and I believe this morning, if we embrace these very practical, very tangible understanding and say, Jesus, I want to outwalk this in community, I believe that you and I can drop our chains, and we're going to start walking. That freedom doesn't come just in a moment, it comes in, in moments responding to him. Let me say it again, freedom doesn't just come in a one moment, it comes in moments keeping on serving, sowing, surrendering. Let me pray. Jesus, I pray for your people this morning. As we see people go into the, the waters of baptism, I thank you today is a day of baptism for all of us. We, we're saying, God, we're taking off the old response of, of sabotaging one another's futures. We're taking off the old response of stealing from our future. We're taking off the old response of giving up. When, and, and, and just stopping and going to our own resources. God, no, today we're putting on the new, the new reality, life in the Spirit, which is serving, sowing, surrendering, serving, sowing, surrendering, serving, sowing, surrendering. This is the life fueled by the Spirit of the living God. Fathers, we take off the old and put on the new. I thank you today. We say, behold, new creations, every single one of us. We drop our chains and we walk free.